Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. You've guessed it, another week and another loss against Love Loss of the Bulldogs. I'm Scott, I'm joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Uh, as good as you can be after, what is it now, six losses in a row? Yeah, after the round one win, felt nice. Hasn't felt <laughs> nice since. But the, uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. Over the last couple of weeks, round one was, was very lucky. But over the last couple of weeks, um, I have seen improvement in the team. Um, in, in playing, looking like they're playing more structured and more to a plan, and it looks like it's clicking. But I think uh, the frustration is that how long is it going to take? Mm. We can't can't put our first full 80 minutes together in uh, round 25 and then be happy with that. Yeah, and every t- it seems like we can perform well in moments and then we clock off and we get stung twice as hard than us when we're performing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's times where, um, you know, we're playing well for a long period of time but we can't convert it into points. Mm. And then that, that hurts us as well. Um, I got to say, the game against the Broncos, I thought you know, very decent first half. Um, unfortunately, couldn't keep it together. I felt like we, I felt we had to be on at least sixteen points at halftime because mm. it had one of those moments where Broncos had the ball early and they couldn't score, and then as yeah. the Bulldogs got there and they didn't score straight away, they took a few shots before they cracked. But uh, Broncos were the first team to crack, and usually feel good when you hold a team off after. Plenty of ball, which the Broncos did have for the first like ten minutes or so before the Bulldogs. And we scored, and then I thought we went half time. Probably a try short. Then we scored straight after half time, and you thought, "Here we go. They might kick on with this," or you know. And then that was it. That was all she wrote for the Bulldogs point scoring. And then, uh, uh, but another, it's another twenty point loss again. We yeah. can say how good it is, but it's twenty points again. Not saying it's good. I'm just saying I can see improvement. Um, no, I'm Adam, just saying you got to give you got to give credit to uh, Adam Reynolds. What a performance in that second half, in particular. Um, unfortunately, it was against us. I think he got five or six uh, try assists, which was a career best for him. So you know, when something like that happens, it sucks as well. But I tell you what, I think it makes um, our sort of pre-game prediction correct, though. We said. With our full strength side, this was a 50-50 game for us. And the amount of turmoil that we went through with COVID and injuries leading up into that game, uh, it was going to be very hard. I think if you watch the game, that sort of shows. um, There was a couple of really good performances. We'll get into those later. Um, But they, you know, it felt like they just got tired and um, the performance fell away. And that's what happens when you have um, interrupted uh, leadings to game, so so that was pretty unfortunate. And the other thing, while we're talking about predictions, Scott, uh, to give ourselves a pat on the back with uh, the preseason uh, episode with Andy Raymond, we were discussing that if the Bulldogs got to the end of round seven and only had one or two wins on the board, that's when uh, the talk about Trent Barrett's position at the club would really start to ramp up. And uh, if you saw NRL 360 last night. Uh, the talk <laughs> of uh, Gus Gould coming in and, and blasting the team and running a training session and the talk of how long has Barrett got. 
Well, it's wrapping up now, just after round seven. So that's two predictions that we were spot on for. And I, des- I think we deserve a little pat on the back for that one. <laughs> well, I always love patting myself on the back. So thank you for bringing that up. And I do remember that. But now I'm just going to take you back to round five. And yep. 32-12 loss against the Panthers. I think you know where I'm going to go with this. Let's go to round six. 36-16 loss to the Rabbitohs, South Sydney. And then 34-14 loss to the Broncos in our round seven, our recent match. That's three games in a row. We lost by 20 on the dot. And then if yeah. you go a week before the Panthers, we lost 44-0. But three weeks in a row, we lost by 20, exactly. That's just odd. You know, not 21, <laughs> not 22, not 24, not 18. Yep. 20, I thought it was a bit odd, and I saw that on Twitter, so I thought I'd highlight that and talking just double-check that it was correct. Talking about odd things, the West Tigers, and this is a little bit off-topic, but the West Tigers won two games in a row by one point. I think they're after uh, the Bulldogs' record of most games in a row, won by one point. Yeah, they're two off. Could do it. <laughs> Definitely could do it. Oh, I remember that but, period of time. Hodka. Yeah, what about, okay, you now brought the West Tigers into it. Okay. Now, to link it back to the Bulldogs... And then you've used Hodko, but I'm going to link it back. Mark Maguire winning two in a row and taking a bit of pressure off him a little bit because he's won against two. Oh, you know, Michael, he won yeah. Yeah, He won against, was it Parramatta? And, yeah, Parramatta and South. So yep. two, you know, last year's grand finals, someone who made the top four and made finals the last couple of years. He's won two against some really quality teams. Yeah. He's taken pressure off himself a little bit. Apparently oh, he's taken himself take- time. He's taken a lot of pressure off himself because um, I just noticed this today, Scott. You're just going to jump in real quick. I didn't realize the Tigers are above Newcastle and Canberra. Yeah, no, I looked so, at that, yeah, Monday after the uh, Anzac Games, yeah. So you can say what you want about the Tigers, and I think they started the season with five losses in a row, but um, they were obviously close enough in those games that once they got the wins behind them, They've gone up the ladder, even though the wins were only by one point. Mm, but, yeah, so we had Mark Maguire winning two in a row. And they're not, they're not two in a row. They didn't beat the Bulldogs, you know, who were struggling. They just, you know, an ugly game. And they took Newcastle, who's now just for some reason, like, they start to struggle. They actually beat last year's grand uh, runners-up by one point. Yes, they had an injury or two, but they beat a full-strength para... Oh, not a full-strength. They were a bit, bit uh, weak in the outside backs, but the forwards and the halves and their spine were full-strength. And they beat... A pretty strong Parramatta side and almost um, a pretty strong South Sydney side by one point, uh, two weeks in a row, which Mark Maguire was the coach for weeks and weeks and weeks about how he's going to get sacked, how he's going to get sacked. Now that he's winning and Trent Barrett's starting to lose, has that made it even harder for Trent Barrett? And there's my link back to Tevez. Yeah, well, I think so. I think he's um, he's got to be the coach most under pressure. And we've brought this point up before. We won't go on about too much because it's over-talked about, but he's won four games in, out of 32 in two years. So I think any other coach with that record would probably be gone already, to be honest. So mm. um, I guess we'll just see it play out. Um, they're still saying, obviously the club's still saying that, you know, Barrett's the man and nothing's going to change. But I think we've all been around rugby league long enough to know that I have... That could change very quickly. Four support of the board is a good line. It usually knows. That hasn't come out yet, but um, but if it we'll, does, we'll yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just going to go to the Broncos and Bulldogs game. Uh, just go back to that because we've gone a bit off topic yeah. on Trent Barrett and all that. Uh, I was going to say the Bron- Brisbane Broncos running out winners, thirty-four points to fourteen in front of twenty-three, just over twenty-three thousand people at Suncorp Stadium. Um, the I suppose. 
an off-field talking point in that game was a Bulldogs fan and a Broncos fan got in a bit of a uh, bit of a well the Bulldogs fan got into a punch on with a Broncos fan uh, the Broncos fan held no yeah. uh, no hope after shouting out support for the Broncos while as a moment of silence in the yeah the uh, Anzac ceremony I'm gonna just say the only reason I bring this up I'm gonna say most people most people when I say most people I'd say 99.9 percent of people on Twitter that I've seen have. Uh, Barrack support for the uh, the Bulldogs fan, and even the Broncos fan jumping in support of the Bulldogs fan on the Broncos fan to get out of here because of the disrespect. Yep. I must say, I don't uh, condone violence in any way, but if you're going to get punched at the football, you speak for the Anzac uh, ceremony, you deserve a, yeah. a clip around the head for, for well, being The guy, a... got, guy got what was coming to him. Yeah. And um, he probably deserved a little bit more than what he got, to be honest. But uh, uh, the thing that made me super proud about this incident was the fact that, um, you know, Anzac Day, this was a couple of days before Anzac Day, but Remembrance Ceremony is such a special part of Australian history, Australian culture. Mm-hmm. What made me proud to be Australian after this incident was the fact that the people that stood up against the disrespect um, weren't punished at all. So yep. no one was charged over the incident Um the person who was actually being disrespectful ended up being fined and thrown out of the stadium. Good. The the other people uh, remained in the stadium, and it wasn't just uh, one Bulldogs fan. Uh, it was the whole section of the crowd broke down. Um, it takes a lot to break down the cross-section of fans at a footy game. Mm-hmm. To, get, to be at a footy game and two lot of supporters uh, coming together... Um, to agree on something that takes a lot and uh i was proud by how the section of the crowd reacted i was proud of how the guy got what was coming to him mm-hmm. i was proud by the way the police reacted uh filing him for um i don't i can't remember the technical word but pretty much filing him for creating that scene and also throwing him out of the stadium and removing him so he doesn't ruin the rest of the uh the night for everyone around uh, i thought it was a uh, you don't give it too much airtime, but uh, maybe proud to be Australian. I thought it was fantastic. All righty, Scotty, uh, we're going to get into our three, two, ones for the game and talk about uh, highlights and player performances. Uh, if if this episode's coming from, it uh, sounds a bit weird. We are having all sorts of technical difficulties tonight, so it might come across a bit different, but we're powering through. Uh, who did you have for your three, two, ones? Let's start off with your player of the match. Well, my man of the match was Paul Vaughan on three points. I don't know. I feel like he's in a real purple patch of form the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, again, I actually picked him without even looking at stats. It's just off yep. by imp- impact of game. He ran for 147 metres off f- only 13 runs, 73 post-contact metres, two tackle breaks, 39 tackles. What else do you want from your starting front row, Ray? Yeah, he's I definitely. Like- I feel like he's definitely become the leader of the pack, and uh, I've given him three points as well. I've, do you want to me to hit you for the two? Yes, let's go. I've gone with a, another former St. George of the Dragons player here. I've gone with Matt Dufty. Odd that um, Channel 9 started bagging him on Sunday, saying trying to find the key to Dufty's performances. I think they're two weeks behind. They must have just watched the Panthers game or something just recently um, <laughs> because I thought Dufty was outstanding on the, the last two weeks. He, obviously, he played the full 80. He scored his first try of the season. I thought deservingly so. Um, 
16 runs, 170 metres. Yep. 16 runs, 170 metres. That's a pretty good day out for a fullback. 53 post-contact metres, seven tackle breaks, a line break, two offloads, and five tackles. Tell yeah. you what, you read those stats as a fullback to you have those stats as a fullback to me, and I'm your coach. I'm a pretty happy coach in your performance of the week. Yeah, I thought he did really well. The, his performances in the last two weeks have been incredible, particularly the game against Souths, uh, but he, he was pretty good against Brisbane. Uh, but I've gone somebody else, Scotty. I've gone the debutant, Jacob Carraz. Now, just from the eye test to begin with, did not look out of place at all in first grade. Uh, unfortunately, had that um, those cramps that severe took him cramps. out of the game. <laughs> severe cramps that took him out of the game for uh, I think it was eleven minutes or something like that. Um, Spot on. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and he, he came back from it, which uh, shows great determination of character. But also, um, you know, he does have you know it probably shows that the, the speed of the game is very different between top grade and what he's experienced before. But also. Uh, you know, he could work on his fitness a little bit and hopefully that doesn't happen again. He said that himself. But on the field, mate, the impact he had as a debutant, um, some of those runs were incredible. Just sitting back and watching it, it felt like a little bit like a star is born. So hopefully that continues to go up. And then you look at the stats uh, for a debutant, 13 runs, 133 metres. And remember, that's in 69 minutes. 51 post-contact metres, seven tackle breaks. Incredible. Four offloads. Uh, he made 13 tackles. Um, but, yeah, those stats, incredible for a debutant. And, th- well, that's why I gave him one point. And just to add to it, he, I mean, the only thing could add it, just every time he touched the ball, with yeah. every run, it felt like something was going to happen. Even yeah. when it didn't happen, he, he the, the Broncos had alarm bells for that game with him. And that's what you want. When he's coming in the middle of the field taking runs against the big boys, young kid on the young kid on debut, and he's he got he gave the middle man a bit of a bit of a scare. He gave out the edges a bit of a scare. Um every touch looked like something was gonna happen. And then like you said, if he improves the fitness, which the only way he's gonna do it is by training full time with the with the boys and getting more game time eventually later on. Um I, I 100% agree. He's just got a, just that look about him. That hopefully this is the uh, just the beginning of seeing Jacob Carras. Hopefully, he's much him, more. We gave him a few raps a couple of weeks ago um, from watching him play New South Cup. Yes, correct. At a call and uh, to see him come through on the wing as well. Yeah, yeah, and to see him come through and um, slot into first grade like that after us. We spoke about predictions earlier after us uh, giving him that rap. I think uh, for myself and for you, for you as well, that would have been quite um, a proud moment. It was. It was to like watching one of my own running out there. <laughs> no, but you, know, you know what I mean? When you, when you see somebody in lower grades and you think this kid can play and you're really impressed by him and then to see him step up in class, and deliver, and step up, yeah. and deliver, absolutely, it's... um. It's really good to see. Uh, one point, Scotty. Yeah, who'd you give one point to? Aaron Shop. Aaron Shop. What? Shouldn't he've been in top grade since day one? Because he was. Should have been. And he should have been on the left edge since round one. Which um, but, but, him and Adam Carr as a combination leads to stay. What about that offload. Mind. That yeah. offload for Adam Carr's try. I mean, Adam Carr scored two, but the, yeah. you know the one I'm talking about that offload. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was late. It was beautiful. 
It was just they sh- they it, that was our been, shop. They should have been together since since round one uh, on the left side. That's our strongest left side. There's talk of shop going back to the right hand side this week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but I hope it's wrong. Uh, but even even Aaron Chop, um, one try assist, 19 runs for 166 metres, 51 post-contact metres, five tackle breaks. Uh, made one error. But um, very good, very good performance. Uh, and in the eye test, he gave Stags a run for his money as well. But could you imagine long-term keeping Shop at left centre and a car left wing, Kraz at right centre? Mm. It's exciting. Well, it is, and, you know, I'm going to say it again, Aaron Shop. I'm not saying he will, but he's got the potential to have the career, and the impact on the club is Josh Morris. Yeah, absolutely. As a centre, and you just see that offload. You just think J-Moss, almost, with that late, a, late, late offload at the end. Absolutely. Just want to give a few honourable mentions, I guess you could say, to Billy Sekrikis. Sekrikis, yeah, I was going to give him on, one too. On, on debut, um, only got 23 minutes, but every time he got to the ball, he looked strong. Um, 26 really, years old too. So really, yeah, yep, really looked to be. Um, you know, he had eight runs to 86 meters, but he looked like a first grade forward. He was really taking uh, the game to it. He was really taking himself into the game, so that was really great to see. Max King, another really good performance, I thought as well. Um, the back five all ran for over 100 meters, so that was. That's good to see. You need that happening. Um, Corey Waddell, he just quietly goes about his business. I think he, he's going to end up that player where you just expect the kind of stats he puts up, but you don't actually notice it as much mm. uh, going forward. And Josh Jackson is, well, Josh Jackson is Josh Jackson. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm going to say about Corey Waddell, with uh, the recruitment of Viliami Kikau, he might be someone who never gets the, you know, accolades or anything. But, you know, he's still contracted for us next year, Corey Waddell, and he might be just that player who just plays on one edge or even off the interchange bench, does the yeah. job. Well, I'm doesn't, hoping, doesn't do the pretty things, so he might not, you know, do the kick-out run. I'm hoping long-term to be the Pega Jr. ends up in front row or lock. Mm, okay, yeah. Hope. That's that's what I would have him as anyway. I see him as front row or in that Tamalolo lock type position. Uh, and I'd have these other players playing in, playing in the second row. Mm, yeah, fair enough. Any yeah. other players you want to highlight? Well, not really. You highlighted them <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much them all. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, to be so honest, they really deserve cool. the highlight. There's, uh, there's some of those players could have pushing for one, I guess, on the board. Yep. This week, Saturday night, five thirty at Cool Stadium, Bulldogs versus Roosters. I am pumped to be able to get back out to a game. It feels like it's been a while for me, but do we have any chance at all? Actually, uh, yes, we do. We do. I actually would have thought... Well, I've been thinking about this for a little bit because I actually did go to the Anzac Day match and I watched the Dragons versus the Roosters because it's just, you know, one of the greatest days on the rugby league calendar. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the greatest... Well, it's, it's an Anzac Day, <laughs> but... What, Go on. What they do, you know, and their the tribute there and being a part of it. I've done it yeah. a few times. I think it's about. I think I've done it about three times over the last four, five, five years or so. Um, I 
went to watch it, and then I also realized as I was walking to the stadium that we versed the Roosters next week. So, a bit of enemy watching, a bit of <laughs> up close, and you yeah. know, but uh, yeah, and they were disappointing. But you know those those classic sayings when you when you lose a game because Roosters love I mean obviously love winning every game but these Anzac Day games are something different like it doesn't matter if the one's coming first one's coming last mm-hmm. they they do a run for the money or it doesn't matter what part of the ladder it doesn't matter if they're both in the bottom of the ladder it turns into usually a a quality game of football and I thought it was a, a really good game of football but the Roosters would have been filthy because they had a couple of chances especially early on to score. And at the end of the game, they could have actually s- s- stolen a win off the Dragons um, mm. and, you know, won the Anzac Day Cup. And I really feel like they're going to they're gonna be absolutely filthy. And when you're filthy after a loss or you get smashed after a loss, the best thing is the short turnarounds, they say. Because it's mm. straight in, very short training week, and it's all about getting back out there again. They played Monday. They're playing Saturday. So it's quite a short turnaround for mm. the Roosters, and I was thinking, oh, it might have been a better chance if they actually won that game on Anzac Day for us to have a chance of beating them. Yeah, exactly, but you started that off saying we have a chance and then went about explaining why we don't have a chance. No, I, I said I said we have a, a chance with a very, very unconfident tone in my voice <laughs> I don't because think we, have... we always have a chance if you're playing you're playing a sport you're always a chance no, and I, I always say that yeah, every oh, week right. in the podcast no matter if we're versing Penrith we always have a chance don't take do I word. see us winners do I see us winners no not now taking <laughs> taking words a bit too literally all right um of course any time there's a sporting event both teams have a chance of winning uh but, but that's, that's not what, what, not what I meant that. Not what uh, I meant by I that. Uh, but I think it's possibly the worst possible time to be coming up against the Roosters because of everything that you just said. So uh, not highly optimistic. The team this week, there's been a couple of changes at fullback. Matt Dufty, Brent Layden's back on the right wing, we assume. Aaron Shop, where will he play? He's jersey free. Um, the talk is that he'll end up on the, on the right centre and Jack Avrillo on the left. That's what the talk has been. And Josh Adekar left wing. In the halves, Matt Burton and Kyle Flanagan. Uh, up front, Luke Thompson, Jeremy Marshall-King, Paul Vaughan, Corey Waddell and Tamita Pengai Jr. in the second row. Uh, still got Josh Jackson at lock here, but he is out due to uh, COVID. Uh, another, another COVID for, casualty for... We're running a new segment. For the Bulldogs. Uh, and then on the bench, we have um, Bailey Biondiodo, who I reckon, he played seven minutes last match. Yeah, Don't have him on the bench then. That's he's, Trent Barrett. He's going to have to wake him as well. He's getting less than 10 minutes. Put someone that's going to be able to um, play long enough to be able to help towards the result of the game or the performance overall. I'm not saying Baylor can't, but if you you can't do it in seven minutes. Uh, the other players on the bench, Joe Stimson, Max King, Arvas, Inamata Fungi, the reserves. Let me take a sip of water because uh, the reserves let's just get bigger and bigger, it feels in, <laughs> in the NRL. Jackson, uh, Topoli, Jada Lockenbar, Reese Hoffman, Billy Sakrikis, Paul Alamotti, Tui Katoa, and Josh Cook. Referee for this one, Ben Cummins. So I'm actually disapp- I'm a little bit disappointed in you. Matthew, I'm not gonna lie. Why is that? Why is that? You talk about five thirty, core stadium the place to be. Do you know what? I'm gonna hit you and say twelve forty. 
a course day in the place to be. Uh, New Wales Cup, the Jersey flag, oh, the this, NRL, this the three should be games. This, this should be this week. Right. <laughs> I want to watch the Wales Cup before the NRL. For TV purposes, the New Wales Cup is on at 12.40. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's the Bulldogs versus yep. the Bears yep. in kicking it off on a Saturday afternoon at a core stadium. You know, mm. that's... That sits pretty nicely. It's a top of the table clash too. You know, third versus fifth. It also Lado means fifth. because of uh, other appointments I have, I will not be able to see it. Oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I will see you there later on then. Um, and then you got the jersey flag at 3.15. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, third versus fifth on the ladder. <laughs> Roosters this time being third and the Bulldogs being fifth in both grades. And then... You know, the NRL kickoff at 5.30, three grades in one day. Yeah. It's pretty damn good. It is good. But it's... back to the the NRL lineup. Uh, the talk is Jackson Topperty will get his first game of the year off the bench to replace Josh Jackson with um, Max King or Joe Stimson starting at lock. So I reckon uh, Philip Pango Jr. will get the lock and Stimson will take the edge. Yep. Possibly. That, that, that was me with actually not not listening to talks that was just what i think will happen um because yeah um yeah but three grades so get there early don't be a matthew uh cancel your appointments cancel everything (laughs) uh going to a party go after having having a lunch barbecue make a dinner because the game the full time will be around 7 30 i'll tell you what all wraps up i know i just complained about the game being on early on um on tv but it at least gives me the uh, ability to be able to catch up on it at a later date. There you go. So I'll definitely get to. I'll definitely be able to be watching that game at some point, as long as you don't ruin the result for me in the stands. No, I will <laughs> not. But I can't promise what Steve Allen might say, if, especially if they go, if the Bulldogs go two and zero. Friend of the yes. podcast, Steve Allen. Obviously, he's listening. So no yes. announcements of what happens to us, Cup, um, <laughs> later in the day, please, Steve. Make sure you get the, well. Make sure you get there at three fifteen. Then, um, if you're going to turn up later on, um, what I was thinking, we might just go to the news, um, yep. which we touched up on a bit of the news, but we'll go into a little bit of bit of detail. And there's another news story that we haven't touched on, but we'll start with Josh Jackson. You know, you already said he's tested positive to COVID. He felt unwell, uh, didn't attend training, so that's the key thing. So therefore, the spread of it um, shouldn't spread through the Bulldogs before kickoff. Let me say yeah. shouldn't because you never know. Test positive. Not sure if it was linked to last week's team so, yeah. or if it was if so, you know. I hope Josh he Jackson went out. I hope he hasn't been hanging around Anthony Albanese. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. Anthony Albanese has <coughs> got it as well. Um, you know, maybe I don't know. Maybe Josh Jackson was trying to I don't know convince Anthony Albanese to go for a good football team. If the he might have been trying to convince him to uh, upgrade a core stadium if uh, he was to win the election or something like that. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, yeah, moving fair, on. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned this one. Gus took over training and apparently blasted some of the, well, according to 316 Fox Sports, blasted the entire squad. Um, and yeah. Apparently, Kyle Flanagan took a big uh, a big load of that yeah. from Gus. Well, those were the now, reports, yeah. It were via reports. If that's correct... Uh, I think Flanagan has improved our attack, and I don't think he's the issue. So, yeah, very I'll, disappointed if I'll that's 
correct my guess. What I'll say is if you haven't, I'm not going to go into it, but if you haven't seen that conversation on LRL 360, go back and have a look at it because um, every, pretty much almost everything that was expressed in that segment, I agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Um, but now we go to that because now that brings me to the point. We, we spoke about it a bit earlier as well. The Trent Barrett, we said, mm. give him to round eight. Andy Raymond said round eight as well in his podcast, uh, in the podcast that, was that he featured on just before the yep. season. Uh, round eight is here. We're playing it this week. The rumor has it if it if it wasn't an overly positive one, not going by wins and losses, going mm. by more performances. Uh, performances overall have well, we're seeing last that uh, paints a bit of a an ugly mm. picture. Uh, there was there was a very bizarre rumor on going over Facebook, yeah. saying that Barrett's going to be gone after this game, no matter win, lose, or draw against the Roosters. Okay. Um, but I won't, won't dive too much into the rumour, but it's round eight, but the rumours at the start of the year, they said Barrett will be given to round eight. It, it, everything oh, pointed reports. to round eight. Yeah, yeah. So reports at the start. I'm going to the actual reports at the start. Everything was told about round eight. He could have been two wins by round eight, um, but depending on how he featured up against the top clubs, you know, maybe not losing 44-0 to Melbourne and losing by 20 against Penrith and well, it's 20 against South. It's interesting you bring that up because... Um... I haven't heard those rumours, those Facebook rumours or anything, but the timing about it all is interesting, isn't it? The reports pre-season said round eight. The fact that Gus took over training yesterday uh, and, and blasted the team in a video session, uh, and, and these rumours sort of tie into that. So I'm not saying they're real, but I'm saying that um, there may be something to it, actually. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, um... But if you but want to have entertaining, yeah. some of the Facebook rumors, they, they, um, some of, I want to say some can be spot on, but some of them can be some wacky. There's a reason uh, I don't go on Facebook anymore. <laughs> a lot of it's got to do with Facebook groups, uh, particularly NRL Facebook groups. Some of the shit that goes on <laughs> those groups is unbelievable. Some of them could write some home away episodes, I'd say that. Like Twitter's, Twitter can have its moments too in pretty bad situations, but um, I don't think there's anything worse than uh, NRL. Facebook groups <laughs> and social media to get off the social media uh, side of things in a more positive, a person who's quickly became a fan favorite at the club. And that's of course, Maxi King has yep. penned, to, uh, penned a new deal for two more years yeah. at the Bulldogs. Uh, definitely deserved it. Now this becomes a good news story. I don't know if this adds to his fan favorite because he's a bit of a character. Uh, mm. I remember picking, he was picking on, um, Luke Thompson after round one, when Luke Thompson was being interviewed by the Bulldogs, uh, well, it was actually Jackson Topany who interviewed him by, on the Bulldogs website exclusively to the Bulldogs website. He was a bit of he shows a bit of a bit of a character, but also the fact that uh, he missed complete last season of Melbourne Storm and was told that he potentially might not ever play rugby league ever again has yeah. came to the Bulldogs, been a shining light in a so far disappointing season for the Bulldogs, and then he's inked a new two year deal. Uh, I think I don't know if it adds to his why people like him, but he's he's a good but guy, and he's got an, an, another two more years. At incredible least. story, uh, well deserved, uh, and I think uh, the re- the reaction to that all round was positive uh, from the fan group. So that was that was awesome. Yeah, so it was it was awesome. That's why I wanted to put that one last because it's positive. Perfect. We got to move on to the junior reps roundup. Yeah. We were trying to do something different this year and doing it as its own episode every week due to a few different things, um, unfortunately. 
COVID's still mucking us around a little bit, isn't it? Not as <laughs> not in major ways like it has been the last couple of years, but um, for us, it's starting to get in the way of different things. Mm. Um, well, you anyway, missed an episode. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, Anthony but... Albanese is missing his campaign. <laughs> it's all happening. <laughs> um, yeah, that's running me off track. Uh, so unfortunately, we haven't been able to do what we what we set out to do. I think we did it once or twice, but uh, I'm just going to give a quick sort of end of season update on uh, the junior reps and uh, obviously progression on the other grades above it. Well, if you, I can start with the SG ball if you like. Yep. Because they they played us in the semi-final. Uh, the Bulldogs actually went down to the Roosters 32 points to 12, ending their season in the SG ball. So good on them for making the finals. Uh, uh, it's a disappointing way to bow out on a 32-12. So maybe uh, our top grade side and Jersey Flag side and New South Cup can have a bit of revenge against the Roosters or Roosters-affiliated <laughs> clubs. Yeah, hopefully it's not a, a prelude. And the oh, no, and Harold's Matt's the Bulldogs didn't make the finals mm. at all. Um, I'm just pulling up how we actually finished this because we we have been not we've been with the with all the COVID stuff. Uh, our plan was to do this every week and have its own little ten minute clip, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Bulldogs finished 13th in the Harold's Matthews, which is quite disappointing, um, but it seems to sometimes be a bit of a pattern with the SG and Ball and Harold Matts. Yeah, it does. We, we go through cycles. Uh, grand final, if anyone cares, this week, Combank Stadium, Saturday, 12.45, Western Suburbs Magpies versus Canola Sharks in the uh, Harold's Matthew there. Sorry, and, don't care be at a call at the time. And that will be followed <laughs> by... Um, well, who knows? It could be the future Bulldog in one of these games. They'll be followed by Roosters versus Panthers also at Comeback Stadium. No, good luck to the teams in it. It's a big day. Um, always excited right. grand finals. And, and if the Roosters, the, win the Roosters win the SG ball competition, then we can say we got knocked out by the best. That's <laughs> no true. No shame being knocked out by the best. There you go. No, it's no shame in that. Um, we'll, move to, we'll move up to the jersey flag. Yep. Uh, we're sitting... We're coming six. We played six. We've we've won three, lost three. So yeah, in our game against the Victorian Thunderbolts, that was moved to um, I think it was originally rescheduled to the Sunday, has now been rescheduled to the fourteenth of May. Yes, uh, due to all the 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 COVID and you know players have to be pushed up to New South Cup. A lot of uh, flag players did play for the Bulldogs or Mounties. That's to right. make sure that game went ahead. But they're actually versing, my apologies, the first place Roosters this this Saturday before the uh, Bulldogs-Roosters game at a core. Uh, so it's a big challenge. But those are the games you like to play, don't you? So you like a big week if you're a Roosters fan. Your teams are all over the place. They could be going to Combank and then flying down to a core to watch them. But yeah, so this Saturday, the Bulldogs versus the, the, the first place Roosters side. After the three and three, New South Cup. Now, this is interesting. Uh, New South Cup, they won their first game for for two weeks. They by beating the Mounties, which was almost like an A beat the B team, eighteen points. To... Actually, Mounties for a second. In the sense of, you could tell they're the Bulldogs B side, but Jesus, they give every game 
they give it some effort. They get into some games where you, you think they should get absolutely smashed by. But a lot of the times this year that when they lose, they lose with a bit of class. 18-10. This one was, again, because of obviously the Bulldogs being COVID-affected. Um, this game had had the to uh, make make do of what they had. Uh, Jack Gavrillo played on the weekend. Yes, he did. Um, he did. Um, all reports say he was one of the four players he tested positive. Apparently, he tested positive to a rat, but negative to a PCR. Yeah, that he tested negative to a PCR for like the next three days straight. So they gave him a, yeah. gave him a game. And because his his mum tested positive, and he lives with his mum, under New South Wales Health's new close contact rules, uh, changed early in the weekend, which meant he's no longer a close contact. So if you live with someone with COVID, you no longer close contacts don't really exist anymore. So you had to wait for the. As long as you're feeling fine, yeah. you're good to go. You're good to go out in society, even though if you live with someone with, who's positive, and he seems to, he kept testing negative on the way through to the game, and uh, the close contact changed early in the weekend, which meant he probably he couldn't get to Brisbane in time to play. So it was a weird there one. It was an interesting one, but it just if the announcement came a little bit earlier, he might have been available to the Broncos. There you go. So that's the wrap-up there yep. uh, for the reserve grade wrap-up. Uh, we'll continue going on with the more senior competitions throughout the year, but uh, that's that comes to an end for our junior reps yep. season there as well. Uh, so I think we've only got one thing left to do, Scotty, and it's probably your favourite thing of the oh, week. It's my favourite one because you made it even harder because you've sent me the challenge <laughs> of picking people who might not have played many games but still had an impact yep. on the club. Well, we've, got got, we've gone eight rounds deep, and we're still going, so you're doing all right. Yeah, I got the actual. I even got next one's picked, <laughs> but I don't want to <laughs> pick pick behind the corner there, yeah. uh, behind the curtain. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but I I've gone with a player. I'm not going to get you to guess him because yeah. it's going to be super hard when they haven't played many over top games. But I've gone for a, a half. I've gone with Brett Oliver this this week. Is that not a double up? That's not a double up. We haven't done Brett Oliver yet. No, we haven't done Brett Oliver. We spoke to Adam Perry about Brett Oliver. Oh, all right. That's that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'll tell you what. He's probably my favourite player to not have played more than ten games. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, we spoke. Yeah, we spoke to Adam Perry about Brett Oliver because we was we had the Brent Sean segment. It feels like every special guest we have who's played with Brent Sean has to a Brent Sean segment on the podcast. <laughs> so he's, he keeps coming in, and then Adam Perry went, "Oh, geez, you know, Brett Oliver was pretty good." You know, he could have played top grade if uh, if that Prince Sean wasn't in the way. He could have actually had at least a, a decent crack at it instead of, you know, playing six games. Then he went to the Tigers, 2003-2005. Um, you described him as a little shifty. Oh, I remember watching him. I remember watching him early days, like really early days when he's at the club. And... Um, I'd go and watch reserve grade beforehand, um, or first division, I think it was called back then, and you'd watch Brent Oliver play, and you'd watch Brent Sherwin play, and you go, same guy, <laughs> almost. Mm. Uh, even from behind, they were similar, uh, just going off memory and not actual measurements, so nobody, you know, pinned me to this, but similar height, similar weight. Um, back in the day, the, all three grades would play the same structured game plan. You could could tell that it was a Bulldogs team regardless of whether it was um New South Cup or or top grade or or even uh Jersey flag just by the way they were playing. So um 
And I think that helped him too, because when he did come into the top grade, he played fairly decently without seeing the world on fire and just slotted right into the the way we played. So, yeah, he was definitely a, a mini shifty. Okay, yeah. And for uh, people who maybe don't remember him, a younger yeah. listener, or maybe just didn't remember him because you only played the six top grade games and you're focused oh, on, on the top on, grade. Hold on, hold on. He played six. NRL games, but he actually played seven top grade games. Yes, correct. Yes, and sorry, <laughs> yes, he did because he did play the 2005 World, World Challenge, Challenge against That's Leeds. Right. Um, right. But bench, for those yeah. who maybe you know, because you know, you might be focused on the NRL and you played six games, and sometimes you can go, "Ooh, forgot about you know, you forget about this particular person." Um, yeah, or you know, maybe a, a bit young to remember him, and you're listening. Um, I, I've lost where I'm going, but I want to also highlight, we already said Adam Perry spoke about him quite highly. Yep. Uh, another ex-Bulldogs player who was on the podcast, he played over 100 games as well, Dennis Scott, even made a mention of him and saying it was such a shame he didn't get to play top grade. And then going along the lines, well, goes, oh, well that's what happens when Brent Shawns and your number one halfback then when you have good players like him. But Brett Oliver, according to Wikipedia, and this could be... Wrong. In, he played, uh, they reckon, 78 grades, uh, 78 games in total across the grades of top grade and reserve grade uh, for Canterbury and scoring 38 tries before mm. moving to Western Suburbs. Yep. For a half for a half back, 38 tries, 78 games. He, it goes to show he was a threat with the ball as well. Tell you what, yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, he had some highlights because six in our raw games, four of those in our raw games were in front of crowds of 20,000 plus. And okay, yeah, the world, this world is, club this is getting better. This is good. The world, like club, the world Club Challenge was played in front of over 37,000 fans. Yeah. So the, he might not have had a large number of games, but I'd say he almost, um, you know, he's had a lot of, um, in such a short space of time, I think he's had a lot of big occasions. Um in, the, in those seven games. It sounds funny to say, but uh, it is, and... Uh, you know, to to play one in our game is a, a massive achievement. To play reserve grade is a massive achievement. Um, so to play seven first class games um, and slot into the team the way he did, and then be able to play in front of a crowd of twenty thousand plus four times and a crowd of thirty seven thousand plus once, he scored on debut. His debut game we smashed Melbourne fifty points to four. Um, we smashed Manly fifty six to twenty four in his second game. And then, um, there was a big loss to the Roosters, but we'll move past that. That was his first game in, over, uh, in front of uh, more than 20,000 fans. But then we beat North Queensland 32-18 uh, in North Queensland in front of over 20,000 fans. Uh, and we beat Newcastle 52-6 in front of over 20,000 fans at uh, Stadium Australia. Enormous. That's... So, three of the games... He was involved in out of six free NRL games. Out of six, he was involved in. The Bulldogs had massive, uh, well, scored over fifty points. There you go. Can I? Can I also add? Well, I've got two points to add, but I want to add this one. First of all, is Matt does not ever, ever, ever know old dog unless that one episode he got to pick it. <laughs> Apart from the one episode he was allowed to pick one. Every other week he's. Waits until he gets to the point of old dog, and I have to say the name or make him guess before yep. he knows it. So he's, you know, doing research on the run, as well, <laughs> and, and as well as top of his memory bank, 
So this yeah, is yeah. fire. Uh, what well, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, just shooting out research, just pulling it up, but also <laughs> from memory. So I want to give you research? a rap. No. I want to give you a rap for that, but also. Well, well, just just while you're on that, Scotty, I'll give a rap to the Rugby League Project. I think uh, all Rugby League fans should be using the great resource that is Rugby League Project and able to provide those stats in about five seconds. So. Awesome. Jump on that if you love that. Open the sponsorship too, Rugby League Project. We can get. Yeah. We'll take five cents a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to go back to Brett Oliver, mm. those type of players like Brett Oliver and other ones are highlighted through Old Dog this year in particular. This year in particular. Where we're talking about players who haven't cranked top grade, like a Trent Cutler, Corey Payne maybe top players who haven't, you know, played 100 games for the Bulldogs or even though Corey played actually played a lot, but um, yeah, haven't played 100, like, you know, 100 games for the Bulldogs. Having Brett Oliver on your tail. Now, mm. I know we had Jonathan Furston coming through. Yeah. At roughly the same time. Freak. Brent Sherwin. Well, we know how much you like him and we, I think a lot of people absolutely love him. Um, then you had Bray for Nasta, uh, yep. who I think some fans might say, due to his commentary, has clouded what he's actually done at the Bulldogs. Bray for Nasta <laughs> was a really, really good player. Yeah. Um, he's origin player at the time, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, origin player. He was a, you know, he had a yeah. massive boot on him. He could yeah. just hike the ball. He could put it in the air. He was a... He's a very, he was a very, very good player, uh, Brayton Astor as well. So Oliver trying to squeeze in into yeah. that half, uh, halves, made it hard. Even when we shifted, you still had, John, like I said, Jonathan Thurston can sneak yeah. into 5'8 to help shift you out if you had an Astor playing lock. Then you go, okay, let's take a look at the hookers. You had Adam Perry, mm. who might be a bit of a forgotten man. He was also a, uh, our, one of our, our first ex player special it. guest, the Nugget. Talk about clean service. Go watch some 2004 highlights on the DVDs. You can still get it. Watch the clean service that comes out of Perry's hands. The passes hit the mark all the time. Yeah. Um, quick, clean, and watch how good a defense he was. So you took out of Perry. Then you had Corey Hughes. Bit, yeah. A bit, uh, you know, he ran a little bit more of dummy half. Um, so the fact a, that he the fact that he played yeah it's a club legend Corey Hughes but the fact that Brett Oliver played any first grade it, <laughs> exactly that yes. is remarkable if I'm going through the Bulldogs grade at that time thinking okay adds, I'm a, I'm a half point, who could play hooker add to your point early two thousands was also the time where every team had uh, a really good halfback. Yes, Craig Gower, Craig Andrew Bally, Johns, Andrew Johns, uh, Matt Alford was around there as well. Yeah, Matt Alford, yes. Uh, uh, Every, no. it, almost every team had a really good halfback in that era. So it's not like you could just, you know, drive Slide up the road to another Scott club. Prince. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I just wanted Brent, Scott Prince. Brent Finch, I think, was around then too. Yeah, he was a yeah a very exciting young talent at the time. But yeah. Matthew Marshall. Yeah. Preston <laughs> Campbell. Yeah. So, Walters wrapped up around then. So you can't just, um, yeah, back then. I'll tell you what, if Brent Oliver was the same player today... He would have played a lot more top grade. Well, if he's playing today, yeah. today, today, yeah, it could be an Oliver and Burton house combination, or an Oliver and Flanagan. I, I just mean uh, absolutely, but I just mean, even, I just mean uh, NRL wide. Yeah, yes. The quality of halfbacks in the in the game now, 
or the number of quality halfbacks we talk- in the game now compared to the number of quality halfbacks in the game in the early 2000s. Uh, Brett Oliver would have would have been playing yeah, two, uh, 200 games, I would say. Yeah, top five yep. at the NRL at the moment. And he might have been someone could have been like, could he play Origin even? I'll tell you what, though. And back then, and this might just be me, so I'm just going to share a little bit here. I'm sort of glad he didn't. And as bad as that didn't leave... <laughs> to leave and have a career elsewhere. And as bad as that sounds, I've watched so much of him playing for our reserve grade team. It would have been like watching, uh, it was would have been like watching Steve Price in the Warriors jersey or Corey Hughes in the, the Sharks. Sharks jersey. For me, at least. Not for the wider Bulldogs fan base. I understand that. Not everyone uh, gives, a, gives a rats about reserve grade all the time or all that type of thing. But uh, for me, if, if he was to, uh, yeah, end up playing top grade for the West Tigers or or Paramount or whoever, Penrith or whatever. Uh, for me, it would have been a would have been an odd to watch because I, I, I did watch a lot of Brett Oliver. Mm. No, that's fair call. I'm glad you saved it because I thought you were going to just end with that, you know, glad he didn't play much top grade. <laughs> and just leave it like that. And I'm like, you're that's kind of a, an, a dick thing to say. To, but no, I get the like, point. You don't know his personal circumstances, but he could have went over and played a cold career in England as well. Obviously, that never happened. We don't know what's going on in his personal life at the time. but Because um, he retired in 2006. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was for injury or for lack of opportunity or, or, or whatnot, or if he just wanted to move on with his life. But, um, yeah, Brett Oliver. How good would he be as a special guest? If he, By any chance, if he's yeah. listening and he wants to... <laughs> Reminisce about those uh, seven top grade games, six being in the NRL, but so also talk us through the reserve grade because that was a good reserve grade side. Oh, Dennis Scott describes it. When remember when we asked Dennis Scott about his first try, and yeah. his response, which was which one? Because that's how good the reserve grade side was. You're playing reserve grade for Canterbury. That's a that was hard, and he described it as almost like being a top grade side, just yeah. waiting for the all almost one it's, to seventeen was waiting for their opportunity to get in top grade because they were they felt confident on the top grade level. Back then it felt like we were in every every second year we we're in the reserve grade grand final back then as well. So um yeah. Anyway, we'll wrap it up there on Brett Oliver, I think, because we're we're going to uh But this is what all dog brings. I know and we could do it all night, but um I think we'll cut it off there. Um and, and say goodbye. But uh, it was a good episode back, Scotty. It was good. It was good. Hopefully next week, though, yep. we can say Canterbury winners and big winners. Let's hope Hopefully. so. But until then, we'll see you at a cool stadium on Sunday night.